This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, buddy. How are you? I added a little visual effect for people Woo! watching us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, yeah, you could see Brie's like fancy <laughs> like jazz hands. Hi. All the, that's, like, that's like my only dance move, jazz hands and everything that I watch uh, Cody Riggs' video on Peloton when I'm like <laughs> on, on the bike. He does some dance moves and they're like, they're like... Again, you gotta go say, listen to us. On, you gotta go see us on YouTube for my fantastic you already, dance moves. <laughs> you already have more dance moves like, than me. Mine are all like just imitating John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Today we have a fantastic interview that, like, I was so excited when I he know. said yes. Because I've been following him on Instagram for such a long time, and I love his videos and how insightful they are and how entertaining they are. It is Mr. Chaz. We have Mr. Chaz, Bree. <laughs> It was pretty amazing. I remember when you first came to me with, I want to have Mr. Chaz. And I'm like, okay, I hadn't looked him up yet. I hadn't come across him yet on, on social media. But as soon as I did, I'm like, yeah, I can see why. He 100% is like, he's our guy. He's like right on to everything that we've been talking about. And of course, I love him because he's an early childhood. He talks a lot yeah. about the, a lot about that. And that, that's my jam. So. And he's one of the few men in the field for yes. respectful parenting and conscious parenting and and just all of this mind shift from needing to punish our kids to really establishing this great relationship with our kids and regulating our own emotions. And if you have not checked out Mr. Chaz's Instagram, you need to do so. He is the founder of Mr. Chaz's Leadership Parenting and Teaching Podcast. He's a parent coach. He's a speaker. He's a teacher in the classroom. And he's a content creator. He's a very busy man. He yeah. helps. Adults, he's so busy. He helps adults <laughs> understand and guide children, breaking generational cycles, all while using conscious discipline techniques. And we hope you enjoy our interview with Mr. Chess. 
You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. What should we call you? Should we call you Mr. Chaz or Chaz? Mr. Chaz, because that's where I am everywhere on social media. So Mr. Chaz, yeah. So what capacity do you do in the school? Here's a super condensed version of just kind of kind of got here. Started as a Montessori teacher, then became an educational specialist where my job was to support teachers in different schools. Um, then the pandemic happened. I started to share the lessons that I had learned on my journey online. I was doing that for a while and resonated with a lot of people. But I just go back in the classroom just so I can continue practicing what I preach. And I actually work in an early childhood center. Oh, oh man. My, my background's early childhood. So that's my sweet spot too. I did a lot of early childhood and preschool. I was a fifth grade teacher for, for many, many years before I started No Guilt Mom. And like, I always give props to all of the early childhood uh, people. <laughs> and like early childhood was always like, I don't know how you deal with the big kids. And I yeah. think it's like such a like, such not different skill sets. They're kind of the same, but it's just, I look at early childhood where you guys have more emotions that you need to instruct on, not saying that the fifth graders don't, but Mm -hmm. it's more of the the focus, I think, in early childhood versus what the school districts push in the fifth grade. Yeah. And what I love through this work is that emotions are just so important for everybody. Like they're so important for everybody. And the more understanding we have, the better, which is why I was so drawn to you and to your work. And I first saw you on Instagram, particularly the video that you had explaining a preschooler's reaction to, um, I can't remember the issue, but it was you having a tantrum and saying like, what was on the inner dial, like what would the inner monologue of the preschooler was? Mm -hmm. And just explaining that so well. And the first thing I'm really curious about is why why did you initially start your Instagram? Like what led you to that? Mm. Well, I started off as a Montessori teacher. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I had I really just kind of got thrown in the classroom. I watched like a three-hour play video. They gave me some HR, a binder to look through and read. And I pretty much went in the classroom and they were just like, it's kind of like a sink or swim kind of thing. Uh, I was like, you got it, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't think I got it, but I'm here. I'm the body in the classroom for ratio purposes. Um, and I really very quickly saw how important the job was of raising the next generation of humans. But I realized also very quickly, I had no idea how to really do that in a healthy, helpful way. I would go into, you know, conflicts that, you know, children were having amongst each other. Maybe they were starting to yell at each other by the time it was done. They fight, they're fighting each other. I'm like, I don't know if I'm helping. I don't know how to help. So I struggled a lot when I first started. And I kind of went into how I was raised and how really a lot of people were that were around me were raised in kind of the punishment, threat, fear, shame-based approaches. Um, and I remember reflecting on just how that wasn't the teacher that I wanted to be or the person that I wanted to be because 
I was an ADHD kid uh, growing up, still still am one. Um, and so all those kind of tactics were used on me a lot. I remember how ineffective they were and how they left me feeling. And, and um, I decided that's not who I wanted to be, which was really the first step. And I, I, I feel like I talked to a lot of people and it's like, that's the first step. And like, everyone's like, hey, like, I don't want to do this. When that happens, you celebrate. Yeah, like all right, we're starting to get to a place of awareness and not just unconsciously passing on what was done to us. Then comes another hard part of, all right, so what do I do instead? And that's a journey of figuring out what to do instead. And I went down rabbit holes of, of learning, of reading, of listening to podcasts, and um, had really gone on a journey of improvement um, and growth. And over time, other people start to recognize what I was doing and how I was able to work with the kids that were not successful in other classrooms, but they were successful in mine. And that's when I really started to focus on wanting to help other people and share kind of the lessons that I had learned because teachers were coming up to me just kind of casually in the break room and asking me questions like, okay, I'm having a problem with this kid and this is happening and how would you deal with it? I started to kind of casually offer advice in the break room. Um, they started to come back and say like, wow, this has like been so impactful for me. And this child, it's changed both of our days. And that's when I started to kind of get the idea, okay, well, how do I spread this further? Um, and that really turned into me becoming an educational specialist. And really my job was to support teachers and go to different schools. Um, but then wanting to do it in, on social media. And when the pandemic happened, that was the real big push for me to like, okay, let me like really start focusing on putting this, like creating content that is relatively short. And I'm really trying to focus one minute or less. Um, but at the mm -hmm. end of it, you feel like you've gotten a nugget of information. Yeah. Your perspective has shifted, expanded, or you have a, an extra tool to use and you can apply right then. And especially really wanting to help parents because obviously the big beginning of the pandemic was a new challenge for all of the parents. Um, yeah, and I was yeah. really doing a lot of listening to, you know, parents being the 24 seven, everything for children and really making a lot of the same mistakes that I made in that time where I was kind of thrown in the classroom and sink or swim, which I'm <laughs> sure that's how a lot of parents felt, yeah, um, in the it, pandemic. It is uh, totally. And like so many things you've said, like I could see, like that was my journey as a teacher as well. You're you're put in, you have your hour-long classroom management class that you were given in your teacher education program. And they're like, here you go. And you don't want to come in being that person who is yelling at their class or demeaning their kids. And it's so interesting. I love hearing your journey that other teachers were coming up to you um, because I don't think I got enough time in the classroom kind of figuring out the a different way to approach kids, the more emotionally based way to approach kids. Although I think I discovered through that, that I was like, I was going toward that direction. Yeah. But so many people think it's the kids. And I think that is the hardest thing to get across to people is that somehow like you are trying to change the kid's behavior and instead of trying to change your own reaction to the kid's behavior. And it's in your own reaction that that's where the magic happens. And I love that you give parents those little nuggets. What have you seen in terms of 
really trying to get adults to realize that, that it's not the kids, that it's really the adults' interaction. So we have these mental models that we have kind of all, most of us have kind of grown up with. Um, And of course, in different cultures, there's different like variations. But I even have to remind myself as a person who preaches this stuff all the time of the the different ways that we can see things. And because the way that we were raised is conditioned within us, it's in our body. So it's not even just of like, I'm going to tell you a perspective shift, but it really takes the practice and not just knowing it. You know, there's a phrase that when you know better, you do better. I think that's only part of the story. Knowing better is the beginning part of learning how the practice of doing, and I say the practice of doing better because it is an ongoing practice. Hey, all it is Joanne and Bree here, and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. So here's the paradigm shift. We have a tendency to think that if, I'm going to give you two here. One, the child is not listening to us um, and what we're doing is not effective then what is needed is more 
force, more control, yeah. harsher methods or what is needed um, to get the child to uh, listen, to impact the child's behavior. Instead of thinking that way and using that kind of uh, mental model, instead, we want to replace that with if we're not able to be effective in collaborating and eliciting cooperation with the child, then maybe more information is needed. Maybe there's something that we're not seeing in this situation. Maybe they need connection or maybe it is a thing that they're, it's a moment that they're having because they're hungry or maybe it's a skill that is missing that they don't know yet. Um, you know, what more information is needed and it really takes us stepping into curiosity. The other paradigm shift that I want to kind of throw out there is that we believe that to get children to listen to us, um, to get that cooperation and collaboration, that we have to control them and controlling them and controlling their behavior is our goal. And what we need to do as a parent, as a teacher, to control this child's behavior. And, you know, what happens if they act like a child and we aren't able to control their behavior, this other human person, this other soul, free will. this other, yeah, right. You know, they yeah. really do have free will, um, as we all do. If we're not able to control them, then that means that there's something wrong with us, that we're right. a failure as a teacher, as a parent. Now, the paradigm shift we want to replace that is that instead of believing that we can control this other person, hmm. instead believing controlling ourselves is possible. And when we do that, hmm. when we're able to self-discipline ourselves, when we're able to control ourselves, then our influence over other uh, with other people is tremendous. Um, and then we can have great yes. influence with other people if we are able to control ourselves. It's hard. Yeah. And these are just paradigm shifts because you hear that as like, okay, that sounds good. Now, like I'm in a situation and I'm starting to, I'm in survival mode and I'm starting to feel the judgment of other people and I'm going to go right into my default. And so it's not just under knowing that, okay, I need to control myself in this situation so I can have greater influence uh, with this child. And this is also true with just people in general. We, you know, you're talking about how you were a leader. And I mean, my, my podcast is called Mr. Chaz's Leadership Parenting and Teaching Podcast because all the things I talk about mm -hmm. are powerful mm -hmm. lessons in all these different areas of parenting, of teaching, and in leadership. As I was listening to your podcast, you said something so impactful where it was that sometimes like as a teacher, you felt that you were doing discipline strategies because you were trying to impress this other, like a supervisor with the control of the class. And I think that is something that so many teachers feel and so many parents feel that they do have to control the class. I was just talking with a teacher last night who they're having a lot of behavior issues in their grade level. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm, I'm, I need to do. I've already like reprimanded them. I've yelled at them. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, like, what can I say in this moment to have influence over this teacher when I'm not a teacher in the classroom myself, but I do know that these, these strategies work. So I'm just wondering, how do we, how do we talk with 
with teachers that our kids come into contact with when there are issues going on in the classroom and you're like, hey, like there might be another way to handle things that you haven't thought of yet. So first thing is have a relationship, have a connection with whoever you're talking to, because that's going to be the, your relationship is going to be like the filter in which that conversation is had. And if we don't have a relationship with the person, then it's our likely, especially unsolicited advice yeah. Yeah. is not going to be uh, uh, really taken in or internalized or really, you know, they may feel judged. Um, that That is what I'm trying to check right. myself on, right. Mr. Chaz, all my unsolicited advice right. out there. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> so really just be aware of your relationship with this person. And if you don't have a relationship and you really do want to help this person in this moment, maybe it's the first time you're meeting them because, some, because sometimes a lot of times the situation with me is – Keep talking to them and keep, I mean, in that conversation, try to build a relationship and really just trying to see them and understand them and empathize with them without giving any kind of advice. And, you know, one of, one of the things that I'll try to do when talking to teachers or parents or anyone about this is I will, in, in seeing them, I will it in the situation, I'll have take me through the scenario from beginning to end and try to like find a common a common life experience that we have or I think that they may have and try to put themselves in that sh- in the shoes of being that person uh, or and, and maybe they remember a little bit of what is like being a child or maybe a teenager but and maybe not but a lot of times like I go, I use a lot of the uh, reference of the workplace because, um, you know, we really, and, and my role as an educational specialist where I was, uh, doing a lot of guiding teachers and more in a leadership position than when I was a teacher in the classroom, but also kind of also having to be the teacher in the classroom a lot of times and really be in the classroom. I saw there's so many parallels between our struggles, uh, the, the, the struggles that children have and the struggles that us adults have. Yeah. And so I try to really uh, talk in a way in like, hey, like, what has that experience been like for you, like just in the workplace? And in early childhood, we get, we have a range of uh, leaders who, some leaders are really good and some leaders have uh, a lot to learn, a lot of opportunities to learn. I was going to say, they have work to do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny, like the parallels I'm drawing right now when you're talking, I'm like, of course, like the same way we talk to kids about asking them to explain the situation, take us through it. We should be doing the same with adults. And the relationship too. And the relationship, and like, yeah. And think, and think specifically about, you, you think I've reprimanded them, I've done this, I've done that. Yeah. You know, imagine in any profession or industry, even your boss talking about yeah. you in that way. Like, you know, I've tried to punish them. I've docked their right. pay. I have, you know, made it so I've made their life harder. I've yelled at them, but nothing is getting them to turn their work in on time or nothing is getting them mm-hmm. to stop making this mistake. What would, what do you think you would need in that moment? You know, like, what do you think would be helpful for you if you were trying to turn in your lesson plan or that document or not try to make as many typos or sending documents to the wrong people or not knowing how to do a a program? 
And sometimes it's hard yeah. for us to really see that and make those parallels because we're so far removed from our own childhood and we don't realize, like, it's hard for us to remember what it was like being three or even being eight or or 10 or 11. And by that time, so many of these mental models of, especially as we kind of get older in the teen years, have been kind of solidified in us. And I also see children use the same mental models that we use with children they use with each other. So we operate with the same that if you're not doing what I want, then I need to force you to do what, what I want by any means necessary. Right. They will do the same thing to each other. That's true. And they will just treat themselves the same way. It's like that say at that I've said this many times before and I think I learned it during a positive discipline training, but it was something like, Where did we get the crazy idea that we need to make people feel bad in order to make them act better? It's the whole it's the whole point of it. And I think we were all kind of brought up with that too, right? Like that was kind of your fifty, sixty, seventy, eighties mantra, right? Like you better stop. You're you're disappointing me. You're you're doing a bad job, and somehow like talking down to people, disciplining them in a negative way that makes them feel smaller, that makes them feel like they don't have the skills, they don't have the capability. Somehow that's going to make them somehow be able to behave the way that is ideal in the situation, and that's not it. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Yes. And, you know, two things I want to point out here. One is that if you weren't doing that, if you weren't making a child feel bad for the developmental mistakes that they were making, and that's what's happening, their brain is still in the beginning stages of developing. If you weren't making a child feel bad and being harsh 
towards them when they messed up, then you were looked at as neglectful, yeah. right? And so this gets passed down to us as opposed to seeing it as maybe there's a skill that they don't have yet. You know, maybe they're struggling, you know, they're not trying, it's the whole thing of they're not trying to give us a hard time that they're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. They're having a hard time, you know, regulating their bodies so that they can, you know, not touch that thing that you don't want them to touch or not move. And it's because their bodies are, it's just where they're at in their development. And we don't make a lot of space as adults for kids to be kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times our world isn't set up that way to allow kids to be kids. And so sometimes this puts us in a, you know, as a parent or even as a teacher, uh, it puts us in a difficult position to, try to uh, uh, force a kid or punish a kid or threaten a kid out of being a kid. And instead of seeing them and uh, making space for them to be a kid, for to do a developmentally appropriate things and teaching them skills to improve and get better and better and better at meeting our, uh, quite honestly, often developmentally inappropriate expectations. Yeah, I think you just said it so impactfully because it's like we're trying to fit a kid into a non-kid world. And because of that, there's just so much fear that goes on with us as a parent that we're not doing our job well if our kids aren't really adhering to a set of behaviors that we think they should. Like I have seen parents chase after kids who are like four years old and being like, oh my gosh, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get, come over here, take your hands off that plate. Like just being so consumed with their kids, possibly doing something quote unquote wrong in the moment uh, that the kid isn't being allowed to be, you know. Well, and it's it's hard because a lot of times their heart like that the intention of their, the adult the that's with them, right? Yeah. Like they're trying to keep their child safe. Maybe they, and, and you've talked about this earlier, like yep. maybe they have too much anxiety themselves mm-hmm. um, that, that makes them constantly worried that their child's going to hurt themselves. Maybe they had very strict parents that mm-hmm. have made very point clear that, you know, if your child doesn't do exactly this, 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 and this, and they're completely misbehaving and you're a terrible parent and they just want love. <laughs> acceptance. But like, it's it's really hard, right? Because when you see that coming from their intention is in a good place, but it's having the exact opposite reaction of what they're wanting and impact. And and how are you supposed to know (laughs) what else to do in that moment if you haven't had that example, right? All the example that we had Mm -hmm. is the constant no stop don't strict don't make me you know kind of language so that is what we've been conditioned with and and it's in our body and you know there's a phrase that like you know i i went to speak and out came my mother's mouth right it's it's just saying like speaking to the you know like we like I went to say something i went to correct my child and i found myself saying the same thing that was said to me as a child growing up uh, and like, where did that come from? Like, yep. who am I? Like I said, I wasn't going to be like this, but here I am. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so, um, you know, yeah. I try to do, you know, that's a lot of the work I do on social media because even in my journey, like, again, like I had to figure out what else to do, what else to say other than no, stop, don't touch that. Right. I had to figure out like that saying no, stop, don't is working against their brain because I'm still putting on the focus on the thing that I don't want them to do. And instead I need to be able to one, 
think about what I want them to do instead, which can be hard enough as it is, and then be able to instruct them what to do and tell them what to do instead of what not to do. I need to think about where this, you know, child is at developmentally and know this child in front of me and not just say, oh, a two-year-old should be able to do this, a three-year-old should be able to do this, a four-year-old should be able to do this. No, each child is developmentally in different places. And so I have to be able to know the child and that's part of the relationship building, not just connection, but also knowing the child. I also need to know like what their attention span is going to be for certain things, certain activities. So I can kind of already just have that expectation in my mind. So I'm not surprised when they can't sit still and not touch anything for 20 minutes because that's an unrealistic expectation for a toddler. Yeah. You know, it's it, all these things that you have to learn. And then it's like, yeah, okay, I know better, but then I have to practice doing better. And also too, and, and that's just with the child, right? I didn't even talk about, and that's just, you know, strategies to do with the child. I didn't even talk about the beginning part of how do I self-regulate enough to even remember to do those things? Right. How do I even learn to pause, to self-regulate, to breathe, to say some uh, helpful mantras to combat those unhelpful, unhelpful, sometimes harmful messages that are running through my brain body. How do I do all those And give things? yourself the grace, mm-hmm. right? And like you said that earlier, give yourself the grace that it's not supposed to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It is unrealistic expectations to think at all times I'm going to be calm, I'm going to be zen, I'm going to be able to keep my emotions in check, and I'm never going to yell. I'm never going to lose my cool. Like, it, because that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, like telling yourself, like, it's okay that I yell at my kid every five minutes because I didn't mean to. It, it's just saying that it's give yourself some grace. We're all going to, it's a practice. And yeah. I want to also add some more to those parents who are making mistakes out there. We're all trying our best, right? Children are trying their best with the skills, knowledge, and resources they have access to in the moment. And you are trying your best as a parent with the skills, knowledge, and resources you have access to in that moment. And one, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Mm-hmm. Two, I've, I talk to a lot of people, you know, all the, all the people who have written the book on parenting, right? And not a single one of them has said like, oh, I got so good that I was at the point like I don't make mistakes anymore, right? Like I am, I finally gotten on my fifth book. I finally got to the point where I was the perfect parent. Yeah. No, what they say <laughs> no. is, and, and, and what I would say too is that really at the, the height that if you're, if you're looking for a place a mountaintop of of perfect parenting. I will replace that perfect parenting with the just awareness, yes, yes. the consciousness of it, of being able to, the real power is being able to in those moments where you're threatening or the yelling or the shaming or doing the thing that you're kind of aware is not helpful and maybe even potentially harmful, the thing that you said you didn't want to do, committed to not doing, of becoming aware of that in the moment as you're doing it and being able to kind of check yourself. Mm -hmm. That is like really the mountaintop where like, okay, like this is where you made it. They're still improving and they're still learning. And, and I want to add number three, I want to add to that is that 
those mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. Mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. I'm going to say it one more time because it's so important. Mistakes are an essential part of the learning process for you, for your child. We should say it with you. Mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. (laughs) Oh, no. Mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. Mistakes are, yeah, mistakes are opportunities to learn every, all the time. Yes. 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 So when you're making those mistakes, instead of seeing it as a woe is me, I'm such a bad parent, see that, try to see that as a gift for everyone to learn here. That's an opportunity for you to learn here. I'm a a conscious discipline practitioner. And so we have a phrase in the conscious discipline, um, our oops, oops stands for our opportunity to problem solve. And when we make an oops, that's a really, that's a gift not only for us to learn, but also for children to learn how to make mistakes. And as children, that is probably the most valuable lesson to learn because they're going to be making mistakes their entire life. And especially as children, because they're Mm -hmm. so new to the world and so new to everything. And because mistakes are an essential learning part of the learning process and they're learning about everything in the world. So they're going to be making mistakes all over the place. That's probably one of the most valuable things that you can teach them as a parent is how to make mistakes and how to repair relationships afterwards, how to repair, uh, you know, how to come back from your mistakes. And if we are trying to pretend to be the perfect yeah. parent, like a lot of our parents used to pretend to be, they have a really hard time apologizing, and wouldn't apologize because we wouldn't listen to them because we would think that they made mistakes. It's On totally the opposite, true. those mistakes and showing children how to make mistakes, that is a valuable lesson to learn, even more valuable than I than you doing the quote unquote right thing the first time. Yeah, it is so valuable. And I think it's a really good protector too against perfectionism, just seeing other people make mistakes and that it's okay and that you can recover. And You've given us so much to think about. I love the mind shifts uh, as well that you've given us to think about and the little changes in behavior. What are you excited about that's coming up in your own life? Oh, man. There's so much. I'm living a busy life right now. I am write my book uh, and all of the nuance and strategies and really mapping out how to guide children in a healthy way and kind of uh, heal from some of the harm that we have conditioned in our bodies. So I'm excited about that. And I am also, I've actually, I kind of said I wasn't going to do like a, a course. I wanted to write a book for us first, but I think I'm going to, my mind is starting to change in that. And mm-hmm. I am going to be coming out with an online course at some point. Uh, So those are some things that I'm excited about. That all sounds amazing. It all sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure talking to you, Mr. Chaz. And uh, this is going to be so helpful to so many parents. Thank you for having me on. Um, There's there's so much more I wish I could say on the No Guilt Mom podcast. I think we're just going to have you back again. (laughs) Yes. I guess you're going to have to do that. (laughs) Well, we definitely look forward to your course and your book. And we're excited to talk to you again sometime soon. So we'll talk to you later. Bye. That that was so much fun talking to him. And I have to admit, one of the coolest things about us having a podcast, Bree, is like 
I think I've mentioned this before. We just get to reach out to people and meet them, people that we admire and people like we really want to talk to and hey, do you want to come be on the podcast? Versus like I people that normally you would not be able to talk to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people you would normally not you be able, able to, talk to connect to. with. We'll say connect with. When I say not being able to talk to, it sounds a little stalkerish. So people you wouldn't normally be able to connect with. We'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> it like makes it the best job in the world. You get all these fascinating people. And it's also kind of an interesting job because we both record from our own homes. And you had you had a very oh my interesting gosh. situation during this interview. My day was like crazy. So uh, my I love my husband beyond belief and the fact that he tries everything 100%. We recently got a new sink in our kitchen. And when I say recently, it was actually a, a little over a month ago. I feel this has been like the sink of drama. Like there's been something been. going on with this all the time. Right? So like we got the sink put in and we have we had to call a granite guy. And then once it was done, he was like, okay, now you just need to call a plumber to hook it up or you can just do it yourself. And the granite guy convinced my husband he could do it himself. <laughs> I love you, Miguel. <laughs> but I haven't had working drinking water in like six weeks. <laughs> it's a long time, especially in Arizona it where it's so time. dry here and we like, a, need our drinking water. Right? Like, and I'm not saying like yeah. we didn't have water. Like the sink was working. We have an RO system and I just, I missed my drinking water and it was like such a pain. And like, we had like no ice in the fridge. First world problems, right? Just such an issue. So, uh, it took us, um, a while, but I finally was able to get a hold of our, our water system. People got to an appointment, but they're very busy. So it took them like two and a half weeks to get out here. I have a huge party this weekend, my annual sweater party. Um, and so I'm like, I need to have water. I need to have ice by then. So, and of course the guy like calls me the day before and is like, yeah, I'll be there between 9.30 and 10.30. Ask me what time our interview was. 9.30. Mm-hmm. It's like 9.30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, yeah. So I told Joanne like, during this whole thing, I was like, okay, I know Hopefully he won't show up at the beginning and he didn't, but he showed up like three quarters of the way through and you'll see me in the video just like snapping under my, under my arm, like trying to get my dog to stop barking. And I'm like, I gotta go. There's a guy in my kitchen that has no idea what to do. He's just looking at a leaky faucet going, huh? So yeah, (laughs) it's like all of these, all these scheduling things, trying to balance real lives with podcast life. It's always a good time. Well, we had a phenomenal time yes. with Mr. Shaz, and we look forward to everything that he is putting out there. Yes, so, we, we have more collaborations coming up with him, too. We so, do. Look out for those. Yeah, there you will see more stuff with No Guilt Mom and Mr. Chaz because we are right on the same wavelength. Yes. So remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.